Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from the Word. Lie in bed, turn on the iPhone. Yeah, I. Pathetic. I do that. And look at tweets. No, I do that. I do that on my N95, which is stuck together with sellotape. But because Dan has got a phone now, an iPhone now, he's doing it as well. One morning we're both sitting there. I think, what are we doing? (laughs) You know, sitting there like Bert and Ernie on our bloody phones. That's incredible. Are we recording, Fraser? We are recording. Oh, dear. (laughs) It's a word podcast with Jude Rogers. Hello, Jude. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And and Fraser Lurie, who's just back from his travels. I am. And so we would be falling down in our duty if we didn't get him to tell us, first of all, quickly, where he's been and what he's done. I've been to a wedding at Chile's Poshest Golf Club. A wedding in Chile. Now, yeah. Chile, for the benefit of anybody who's not hearing this very clearly, because I've got the window open here and you might hear the lift in the background. Chile is not a small town in near Stoke-on-Trent. Chile, the country... It's the very long, thin one in South America. In South America. Yeah. It's way down there. Uh, and you've been to a wedding at a golf club. Yes. And how was that different from going to a wedding at a golf club in the UK? <laughs> they played Rush at the reception. They played Rush wow. at the reception. Yeah. Was that... Was it Rob Fitzpatrick in no, American? Yeah, and it wasn't classic old Rush as well, it was modern Rush. Oh, God. Which makes you realise that uh, you know, they do exist outside. Do you know what modern Rush sounds like? I mean, it's I, not I, nice apart like from that. the Argentinian and the Chilean and the Uruguayan music, which I didn't know, everything else was kind of wedding fair that you'd expect to hear. Where in Chile was it? It was in a place called Santa Rocas de Domingo. Wow. Which had been hit by the earthquake. I was going to say, is that kind of earthquake? Well, I, I stayed in a earthquake-damaged hotel, which was quite nice. Oh, my and Lord. There was, there was two small tremors while I was there, but both of them like a second long. Nothing, nothing And no, no, the locals paid no mind. Absolutely no <laughs> yeah, mind yeah, at all, yeah. yeah. So, Rush at the Wedding. Are we talking about the happy couple's first dance being... To, you know, <laughs> no, that was, she was from a, a, a European-German family, so the, the first dance was some kind of uh, Bavarian waltz. Okay. Nice. And it, was it full of that kind of formality? As weddings increasingly are nowadays. Yes, it was. Yeah, very much so. And it was, uh, it was, it was kind of the, the kind of wedding you'd expect to see in the home counties at the, the household of a very posh family. Right. Everyone in, yeah. um, in, in distant jackets and uh, lots of big round tables. Mm-hmm. 300 guests. 300? 500 oh, grams of meat per person. 
This is, it's one of the things that Fraser likes most about going to South America. Yeah. He texted me from Argentina, from Buenos Aires. He said, I had a steak last night that made me weep. Because <laughs> Fraser likes it. He has a fairly uncomplicated attitude to food. I have had a, I had a steak once that made me weep um, in Chicago. Um, when I was on holiday in America last year, that day I'd been knocked over by a bus. Oh, really? This is true. Um, I, was the, I was away for three weeks, and this was my one day by myself. I'd taken the train from New York to Chicago, sitting up in a seat, trying to sleep with a fat man next to me, um, reading Watchmen, trying to keep myself uh, entertained. Uh, this one for Andrew Harrison. And then got there, wandered around a bit of a daze, crossed a road, um, a bus ran a red light and knocked me and this other guy into the road a little bit by the side, which is very scary because two seconds further into the road we had both been coming back. I in never a, knew. In a box. No, well, I didn't really talk about it at the time. I didn't put it on Facebook because my mother might have seen it. <laughs> and I, I, no, nobody played this to my mother because she doesn't know. Um, so, you know, I wasn't injured. I had a massive, well, I had a massive bruise down one of my legs for the next week and a half. Um, but I sat in a park after that and went, right, okay. I could have nearly died half an hour ago, so what am I going to do today? I'm on my own. I'm not seeing friends until Monday. Um, so I thought, right, I'm just going to do everything that I can possibly do in Chicago in one day. So I went to the top, to the top of the John Hancock Tower, had three mojitos. Then I went to the poshest steak restaurant in town um, by myself. And I thought, you know, not sure how I'll be treated. Because you know, I love eating on my own. I love travelling on my own. But eating on your own at night sometimes can be a bit weird because people don't know what to yeah. do with you. For some reason, I had the best waiter in the world who put me in the best table, uh, on the best table in the restaurant. I had the greatest steak I've ever had in my life. And uh, it did, you know, I m- might have been slightly weepy for another reason, but I did have to go, this is the best night of my life. It was fantastic. Oh, it was eight, lovely. Eight. And I have not, uh, I always watch buses in roads. I had eight steaks <laughs> in five days. Eight oh steaks in five days. What, I don't, How's your heart? Oh, yeah. Have, <laughs> yeah and I, and the, the best steak I had was the second one I had in Buenos Aires, which was, you could literally carve it with a spoon. It was so tasty. <gasps> wow. It was incredible. Carve it with a credit card, yeah. things to say. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- traffic, traffic, um, close calls. Traffic accident, close calls, Fraser. <laughs> Go on, because now that June started this, I've got to tell my story, and uh, to give me an excuse, you tell yours first. Um, I was once uh, driven in the back of a car back for an ice skating rink and hit by a drunk driver who, uh, <gasps> but, uh, who went through the windscreen. Oh, my God. Oh, I'll spare you the details. It was grim. Oh, dear. Oh, right. Well, mine was not that grim, but could have been. And it's not that grim because I obviously don't remember it because I was only a few months old. But it gives you an idea. I grew up in the 1950s, and I always wanted to do a book called I Survived the 1950s, <laughs> the most hazardous decade known to man, apart from the war. Um, and uh, my parents, I, I had a silver cross pram, large pram, and my parents used to put the pram with me in it in the back of their, of their small uh, dormobile kind of car, right? And, and they put me in the back, and they were driving one Sunday afternoon around the Leeds Ring Road when the um, pram bashed against the back doors. The back doors opened. Out went the pram <gasps> into the road oh God. with me in it. Oh, right? my God. <laughs> Which is whipped out the path of an oncoming lorry by a passing, passing uh, district nurse, funnily enough. Because I was thinking, of that, I was reminded of this by the fact you haven't told your mother about this, you know, yeah. because they never told. <laughs> she think it was my fault, basically, but it wasn't. <laughs> they never passed this on to their parents, no. and girls, I didn't know until I was about twenty. God, years that old. sounds like a scene of Battleship Potemkin with a. Yeah, or, or it sounds like it sounds like something that might happen in Tom and Jerry or something. Yeah. You know, it's got a kind of com- comic 
picturesque element to it. Oh, anyway, so stakes, traffic accidents, phrases, holidays. Here we are on the Word Podcast uh, and uh, various items on the agenda. Have you noticed, uh, somebody started the thread on the website, um, Lenny Law, things I will never do again, which I thought was quite good, actually. And he says, little things that were once routine, using a rotary telephone dial, yeah. which I still use because my wife insists on us having a rotary telephone dial down at the bottom of the house, which is so tedious. tedious. <laughs> and I forget the number in dialing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're, you're used to travelling at the speed that your fingers can travel at, you know, not, not being impeded by a dial. Anyway, back to Lenny Law. Putting a cassette into a machine, ready to press play and record simultaneously mm. when that song comes on the top 40. Yeah. The tension. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got to get that first note. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can, otherwise you're going to get that slur at the beginning. Um, um, lowering a car window by winding a handle rather than pressing a button. Tuning a radio to a station using a rotary dial. I think I did that myself quite recently. I yeah. one that still uses that. And then sliding in a floppy disk and selecting drive A. <laughs> do you remember that, Fraser? Yeah, I do. No one does that anymore. Uh, buying a pair of 32-inch waist trousers. We'll pass over that one. <laughs> uh, and uh, now, talking of things that people aren't going to do again, did you notice that Iggy Pop has announced that he's no longer going to stage dive? Oh, he's got a limp <laughs> now, hasn't he? He walks with a limp. Oh, I'm surprised. Right. I wouldn't be surprised, um, but he, he apparently, he stage dove. <laughs> what's, the, what's the past tense of dive? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's true, dove dive. <laughs> so he stage dove <laughs> at unlikeliest of venues, Carnegie Hall. Oh, my God. Which is kind of a pretty odd place to stage dive, isn't it? You know, it's, it's hardly the mosh. No. And, and the audience, being the average Carnegie Hill crowd, thought, oh, there's a man jumping off the stage, better get out of the way. Yeah, that happened to me the only time I ever did it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was at Yulu, the waves parted, I hit the floor. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, Iggy, who must be, what, 61, 62 yeah. or something like that, if he's a day, has wisely decided to knock that on the head. That's funny, because one of the things I was thinking was crowd surfing. I'm never going to crowd surf again. Not you that did happened. That. Yes, several <laughs> times. And uh, more than one occasion. I remember my, the, my best... Now describe <laughs> the benefit of older listeners, Jude. What is involved in, in, in crowd surfing? If I wanted to do it, what would I need to uh, do? You'd need um, some friends to push you up. Um, so you've got, to, you've got to be launched? Launched up into the air somehow. And then you just kind of flip your body back as if you're trying to do a Fosbury flop. And you sort of just get, hopefully, people will move you along. Actually, though, at festivals, you don't see people crowd-serving as much. The, um, the Reading Festival in 1996, I remember crowd-serving three times, doing Ash, which kind of uh, dates me to being in my early 30s quite quickly. Um, but I also, crowd-serving uh, crowd was very useful for me when I saw the Stone Roses' famous last gig, which was at the Reading Festival, hugely yeah. anticipated. Everybody's very excited about it. I was there, you know, after... I did, like, a bottle of Martini Rosso that day. Oh, you're, you're so you know, sophisticated. I was, I was very sophisticated. I didn't, um, <laughs> you know, I didn't uh, partake of uh, terrible illegal drugs, but I did drink bottles of Martini Rosso, like Joan Collins or something. <laughs> do they still make um, it? I've got no idea. It's bloody horrible. I it was I, a special I, offer I, in an off-licence in Reading. drink. So we... Um, I was watching this, and I thought, this is awful, awful. 
So I thought, I'm actually going to use crowdsurfing as my way of getting out of the crowd because there's no way I was going to be able to go back. So I went over the top and then I went to see Underworld and they were very good. So your crowd surfer at a major festival could be just somebody who wants to go to the lavatory. It could be. And he's trying to do it within the spirit yeah. of the occasion. So you aim for the, for the security pit and whatever the Exactly, the exactly. I did, however, at, on that night, um, somebody's nail caught my arm all the way up and I didn't notice because I was quite drunk. Um, and then I looked at my arm at one point and my arm was covered in blood and I had that scar for about six or seven years and I'd proudly go, it's my crowd surfing scar. Oh, how old were you at the time, Jay? 18. 18, crowd surfing. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued by this launch procedure. Yeah. Do you then have to consult your friends and say, in a moment, I intend to crowd surf? Or do you just announce your intention by lying back? <laughs> no, you, you have to sort of say to your friends. Um, my friend Helen... Um, did it a lot. I just thought it was looked really cool. Right. Um, although you know, I hate to people who went over us because you occasionally get a Doc Martin in the face, which wasn't very nice. But now, um, how can I put this delicately? Being a woman. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you get groped? Yes. I, I never do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it says more about me. I don't know. No. But um, no, but I'm. No, I didn't. There's no kind of indelicate contact as you're being passed back to the... No, 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 not that I remember, anyway. Okay. Right, you've raised here, you've crowd-surfed, you must have crowd No, no, I haven't, but I've been on the receiving end. I've stood in the security pit and caught people as they came over the barrier. That's that's hard work. You've been a security man? Yeah, I did it for a a couple of um, Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine gigs. (laughs) And they had a lot of crowd-surfed. Andrew Collins who kept coming over the top. And so so you're you're basically for two hours, you're catching someone every 15 seconds. It's exhausting work. Every 15 seconds? Yeah, I, I worked it out. Yeah. So, so, sorry, you're in a pit in front of the stage, so these people are crowd surfing towards the stage. Yeah, and you, you kind of... And their intention is to end up in the, in the pit, because yeah. there's nowhere else to go, yeah. presumably. And there's a little step up that you put one leg on, and you kind of bring them down onto your knee and then slide them onto the floor and push them to the side of the stage. So are the correct procedures? Are you trained? Very much, there's no training involved. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the blooming ought to be. Cause you kind of look around and you see what the other ones... Because what happens if, if a stage diver, you know, sustains some kind of injury? Mm. Presumably the venue is... is um, mm. Liable, yeah. I guess yeah, so. Yeah. I d- I don't know. That's one thing I don't think I'll ever do again is go to go to a, into a mosh pit. Actually, you're crowd surfing. I haven't done that since I was in my early twenties. But I would not go into a mosh pit again. The, the last time, I, and I knew it was the last time, was seeing the fall in about 2001, 2002, and my then boyfriend, who was a skinny little thing, got bruised ribs from being bashed around in this mosh pit. And so I said, I'm I'm not doing that again. I'm too old for that. They never had those, I don't think. The, not it's in my never, day. <laughs> it's never, never too late to start. Mosh pit. I, 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 if I went in a mosh pit, I'd have to call for order, really. <laughs> I, I just, you know, like, pull yourself together. You know. But this, this thread, things I will never do again, mm. I mean, it, it's quite interesting because the, there are things that uh, many people have, have um, you know, responded to this. Some of them almost brought a tear to the eye, you know, yeah. because they're about, uh, about people feeling their age or whatever. Yeah. They're not all about that. You know, some of them are about technology that yeah. has, has made things redundant or things where people have kind of come to their senses, you know. It's quite interesting. There's, like, two different ways of looking at it. Wasn't There's some people who are very indignant about, I'm not doing this again because it's terrible or because I never want to listen to a florist and machine single again or something like that. <laughs> and then the other thing is... The, the, but the other side of that is this intense regret. And the first thing I thought of was, I don't think I'll ever go to Glastonbury again. And that's because every time I've been, the magic has gone a little bit more. Oh, really? Yeah. And you're a beginner at Glastonbury. Well, no. I, no, I've been, I 
six or seven times. Okay, well, Mark Ellis. Yeah, I know, but um, Mark always leaves on Sunday morning, so he doesn't have that last day where you're kind of like, oh God, I want to go home now. Um, well, that's the, the key learning of the key learning of old age. Old age. <laughs> of being elder is you never regret leaving early anything. Ever. It's true. Anything. Yeah. If I go to awards functions or whatever, you know, which you occasionally do, you go to some, you put in on dinner jacket, you end up at the Grosvenor House or whatever. I always book a cab to turn up at ten past eleven, mm. and because I know I'm paying for it personally out of my pocket, I'm <laughs> always there at ten past eleven. Yeah. So I'm always home, just about sober. Yeah. Whereas everybody else stays. Oh, I'll have a dance or whatever. And they end up, they leave at three o'clock mm. in the morning, having insulted somebody who might, <laughs> say, might employ them at some point in the future with a headache the last four weeks. You know. Yeah. So I'm sure Mark's, you know, approach to Glastonbury. No, I think he's right. right. He's right. You avoid the come down, don't you? Yeah, but I don't know. You know, Mark is Mark is Mark Ellen. He's enthusiastic about everything always, yes. which is why yeah. we love him very much. My first Glastonbury sounds like. Uh, my first Fisher Price toy, doesn't it? I was 17. Um, it was perfect. Um, my friend Dan's mum took eight of us in a big old van. She was the local district nurse, so she was seen as kind of being very reliable. Absolutely. She was, was she person- in a uniform? Uh, no. <laughs> she, but she, she was the person who kept us awake on the first night, giggling at three o'clock in the morning because her friend Kay had made some cakes that had something in it that shouldn't be there. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was the most shocking thing ever. But it was a sunny weekend. It was perfect. You know, Paul played this very famous set and... I was just, you know, 17 wide and going, this world is amazing. But a lot of those um, the the comments in that thread seem to be about those experiences that you'll never quite recapture. But, you know, I'm of the the mind with certain things, like um, you you, you should never say never. Somebody said that as well in that thread, actually. Because I've always said, you know, when, say, a pop star comes along, when Lady Gaga came along, I was like, she's terrible. And everybody's saying, oh, she's awful. I know, a year later, I think, I think she's fantastic. She's, com- she's a large-life pop star. She's completely bonkers. Yeah. She's weird, she's strange, and this is a good thing for pop. So don't never make comments <laughs> in the Majesty's Price which you're going to regret. Oh, no, I think that's true. <laughs> I think that's true. But it's, it's quite interesting you should say this about Glastonbury because it, it draws attention to the fact that so many of the kind of the pop music experiences have ended up being kind of nostalgic because they're repeated far longer than people mm. ever expected them to be. Yeah. And so... You know, people go to see things that they've been to see or they've, or they've attended probably 20, 30 years before. Well, and it can never be like it was before. That's no reflection on the event. Mm. It just can't be like that for you anymore. Yeah, the first time I went to Reading was 1983, and I had an awful time. I burnt my tent down. <laughs> I, I slept on in purpose? A, no. I, no, it was an accident. I slept in a oh, ditch God. with newspaper and some shirt because I was so God. cold. And it gets cold at Reading at night. I, I'd run out of money on the first night and spent the next three days drinking soup at the Salvation Army. I had a terrible time, but it was the best Reading ever. I looked back at it real fun. <laughs> and I stopped going after I'd been to 19 Reddings, and I thought, 20 is too much, and I still haven't got back to the joy I had at that first one. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're better off with all these things, getting a fresh experience, rather than seeking to repeat yeah, an old one. You know? so and much- I, I, I get this so much from people, and you read it, you, know, on the, you get emails from people, or you, you see it on Twitter or whatever, went to see so-and-so last night or went to see 30 years you know mm. brings back all the memory I don't know if it does you know yeah. what I mean you'd be better off going and trying to see something you've never seen before or go to a kind of experience you hadn't been to but I do think sometimes you can go and see a band that you really loved with a completely new approach to them like I'm going to see Suede tonight um, at Royal Arbor Hall and I saw Suede you know back in the day 
when I was younger. And it's kind of funny because Swayed were thought of like in the mid nineties. By the mid nineties, there's a bit naff really. And I always quite liked them. Um, and I'm going to like with people. I'm going with Andrew Harrison and several other people. And Brett Anderson has learned to sing, which is good. So that that'll be different. Um, also, it hasn't got Bernard Butler, you know, the classic suede guitarist, playing there. So that it'll be, it will be different. And I know people who went to see them on the weekend and said it's like seeing a slightly different band. So the experience is, is has changed a bit. But I do get a bit, you know, worried about um, going to so many revival concerts or nostalgic concerts. And what's really interesting is in independent music, you know, there's festivals like All Tomorrow's Parties, which pretend that they're very different and very alternative and they're just peddling the same kind of nostalgia it's like seeing a band you loved in 1992 again well, it's yeah. just it's now a fact of music life isn't it yeah. you know it's no longer it's no longer an occasion when bands reform it's an occasion when they don't isn't mm. it you know, yeah. everybody's going on forever absolutely all the time you know the, the number of groups who haven't reformed you could count on the fingers there of was one a piece in word about three years ago about the band, bands who will never reform and I remember the top of that list were the specials and blur and, and the smiths obviously which I think that if there's one band it's not going to reform it'll happen it'll happen well I, the straws in the wind actually that uh, Rob Fitzpatrick uh, spoke to Paul Weller recently and, oh really uh, and Paul Weller has on his new album he's got a couple of tracks that Bruce Foxton plays on oh really oh. And, you know, of the bass player of the jam, and, you know, there was great bad blood, and, mm, you know, it, it's a classic and very sad case, actually, you know, that, um, that Bruce Foxton's wife very sadly died uh, recently, and so that's the kind of thing that makes people pick up the yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just does. And so, you know, people can, they can fall out with each other when they're 29, they can go to court with each other when they're 37, but when they're in the 50s... Life's different. You know. Life's too short. Life's too short. Yeah. They start to get... They start to feel... Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually. Life's too short. You know, they accelerate whatever it is that they're going to do. Yeah. They do it quickly, you know what I mean? I was reading this about Clive James recently. Why was I reading this? About contrast between Clive James and Martin Amos. Martin Amos is very bad-tempered in his 50s. Clive James is 70 and a terribly good temper mm. because he's just thinking, get on with it. Yeah. I may not be the you know, familiar TV superstar that I once was, but I, I do what I do and I get up and I work every day, you know, yeah. and that's a blessing in itself. And I'm sure... Now, the Smiths are obviously the most... You know, there's been more bad blood with the Smiths than just about oh, anybody God, else, yeah. but... And they need to resolve some legal things, I think, yeah. before they get back together anyway. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, name me a band who, you know... With a long history, you don't have similar kind of, you know, legal issues. Abba will ever get a bet together? Sorry? Abba. No, because, uh, what's her face? Blonde woman, uh, uh, Agnetha? Agnetha or Anna She's Agnetha. terrified of flying, isn't she? She oh, yeah. won't leave uh, Sweden. Okay. And, and fair enough, you know, why should she make herself unhappy? But... Um, they are. They're still around. They're relaunching. What were they relaunching? Oh, there something? was that Apple World thing recently. Mamma Mia! Around amazing. every year, you know. They're obviously Bjorn and Benny just don't mind going out there and banging the drum, you know, and getting yeah. a few more quid. Well, so they, they, the money is still flowing in. Isn't of course, it? it must be flowing in far greater than it ever flowed in at the yeah. time that they were, you know, winning the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. Mm. You know, these markets have proved to be absolutely enormous, yeah. and will last far longer. Than, no, so the the other woman does turn up occasionally, but I, I think <laughs> Agnetha. Annie Frid? Annie Frid. You didn't know I spoke Swedish, did you? While we're talking about festivals, we also, I asked for on Twitter, I asked for some uh, questions from the Massive. Uh, Marple Leaf, um, this is talking about festivals. Any thoughts on taking kids to festivals? 
I have no opinion on this one. It's obviously a big issue nowadays, isn't it? You know, the, the word is a media partner of Latitude this year, and, you know, and you know there, there are festivals like Latitude that are very much aimed at family, mm. I suppose. Well, um, All Tomorrow's Parties, which I mentioned just now, um, I'm going in May. Um, there are 18 of us going, including two couples who have young children. One couple have decided to ship the one-year-old off to mum, um, grandma and grandpa oh, for the weekend. Crying out loud, yeah. But I've got another couple coming who are bringing along their five-month-old. She has those little ear protectors that you can buy um, for little babies. But um, what's going to happen is Dad's going to be at the gig and Mum's going to be back in the chalet. So um, I, I personally... Yeah, I, know, I know what you mean. I think it's a question of very fine judgment, this. Mm. You know, I'm trying to think, when they're five months old, you know, they don't have much will of their own. Do they? No, that's true. They could probably just like, sit there and scream or, you know, <laughs> um, weed themselves. They're not running off. No. No, no. <laughs> um, I mean, the only thing I would say is that, as in all issues pertaining to parenthood, when your children are between naught and 16... The only thing that matters is, are they happy? Your happiness comes so far back in the pecking order, it just doesn't matter. If they're happy, you're happy. And so you should think about what they want to do for a weekend rather than what you want to see. It's very unlikely you're going to make the things coincide. You could go to something that had nothing that you wanted to see, but if they were happy... You'd be happy as well, you know. That's the definition of parenthood is you know just just search for a quiet life wherever possible. You know. I'd love to read David Hepworth's uh, guide to parenting. Oh God! (laughs) No, I've learned nothing. Learned nothing at all. So that's Marple Leaf's point. Uh, Media Twin wants to know: Word magazine should have a dedicated iPhone or iPad app. Discuss, Fraser. (laughs) Yes, we should. (laughs) <laughs> and what are the things that are holding us back, crazy? Uh, we, 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 we're looking into it at the moment, haven't we? We're starting to look at it. We're, we're very much like to have an iPhone app that you could, uh, that you could get the podcast on yeah. and uh, with kind of privileged content and all that kind of stuff. Yes. But uh, we don't know how to do it as no. yet, do we really, Fraser? We'll, we'll get there one day. We're working on trying to... We're, 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 we're auditioning potential com- companies might do yes, it for us. But then there's the grubby subject of money, which they're bound to raise at some if, point. If anyone out there wants to do us one for free... Yeah, God! We'd, be, we'd love yes. to hear. If anybody wants to do us one for free, it's really good. We'll give you all the personal publicity you want. You can come on the podcast. You can, you can do anything you like, OK? Um, <laughs> so, you know, get in touch. Uh, mail at wordmagazine.co.uk. Um, so... What about th- further things that you would never do again, Rosa? Um, I've written a couple of things down. One is um, go to a friend's house to listen to a new album. <laughs> Which is kind of sad, I think. Yes, very sad. Because it was a huge event when I was 15 or 16 to do that. And now, of course, you know, music's so accessible, it's everywhere. Yeah. You, you simply don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. Does anyone do that anymore? If you're 16, do you do that? No, but they do it with DVDs. Okay. Films are the kind of social thing nowadays. You know, that my, my youngest daughter, when she goes and stays at mates, what did you do? Watch some DVDs. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. My brother's 20, and I know he does go around to, to his friends' rooms in university to listen to albums, but it's not necessarily the albums come out that week. No. It's generally, oh, I've just bought this Journey CD, and I want to listen to it with you. My brother's got very odd taste. <laughs> and the other one I've written down, which is also sad, and it's something I could fix myself if I tried, and it's uh, giving an album my under divided attention oh because always now I'm doing something else and, it, and the most concentrated I ever get on an album is walking to work mm. but I'm still involved in the commute I never sit down and listen to an album and do nothing else well I'm this always... is interesting you should say this because the next point I've had in via Twitter from The Boy Slim <laughs> says 
Modern bands can't make proper albums. Discuss. What's a proper album? Well, I suppose he means, um, you know, something that you did, something with continuity, something that held your attention all the way t- to the end, I suppose. I'm guessing. I think that question, um, don't mean to be rude, the boy Slim, because I'm sure he's a very nice man. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a, that's more of a question of your own attitudes to albums, I think. I, I, I do find, as I get older and I'm doing more stuff, that, and it's like you're saying about uh, not giving an album your undivided attention. You just... You, you, your head's trying to do t- too many yeah. things at once. You're emailing um, or you're drinking or you're cooking yeah. or whatever. But I've noticed recently that there have been quite a few albums I've really, really enjoyed, and I want to do that. So it's just a case of making the effort. The new Laura Marling album is really fantastic she's very young she's very good she's a very interesting songwriter and it's one of those records that you're not actually going to get unless you actually pay some proper attention the word a magazine a website a podcast a way of life so i'm getting married next year sorry boys sorry readers um <laughs> men, men throwing themselves up cliffs gnashing oh! Oh, well you know you can try anyway um, and um you know trying to do the most simple cheap wedding as we possibly can. Which um, I think is laudable, Jude. Yeah. There's too many expensive weddings. Yes, I went to a wedding a couple of years ago where um, they'd done very, very cheaply. They advised, they said to everyone, don't buy new clothes. Because everyone buys new clothes for mm. And instead they arranged for everyone to wear a T-shirt depicting who they were. So the groom got married in a T-shirt which said groom. <laughs> and the groom's father had a T-shirt which said groom's father on it. <laughs> I, see, I, mm, but it was brilliant because it was a it was a great way of introducing yourself to other. No, I agree with yeah. that social element. But you know, the big issue of that is the wedding pictures. Yeah, how daft are they going to look? Into they look yeah, great. They true. look like football team photos. Oh, okay. everyone dressed in the same colour. Oh, right. okay. so, well, anyway, so we're doing. You carry on. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not wearing a meringue. No, I'm not. Um, people keep asking, you know, what are you doing with this? What are you doing with this? And. Uh, yeah, it gets a bit dull after a while. Uh, but the question I've been asked a lot recently, which is ridiculous because it's over a year until we get married, is what's your first dance going to be? And this, it's become this really big thing, this really weird craze almost. I went to a wedding last year of two friends of mine, uh, Brian, who is a solid Welsh rugby boy, and his wife Anna. And we assume they do the traditional arms around each other, dancing slowly to something pretty and moving. And they did a dance routine to... Um, I'm in, what's it called? I'm in the mood for love. Well, an organised, choreographed... Organised, this is choreographed, post-YouTube. Twirling around. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was really funny. And also, there are two people you would not expect to do this. But I am... No way am I doing that at all. But you do go to weddings and you get the sense that people are trying to pick something that's a bit cool or a bit arch for their first song. You know, something by... I don't know... <laughs> You know, since somebody, you know, a band that nobody necessarily knows, except like something about, you know, pavement. I don't, I don't know. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's a funny one because I think it would be quite fun doing something like that. I think we both do, but, you know, having a first dance. But uh, because I, I do like the fact we've moved on from just like uncomfortably shuffling and going, God, when is this going to be over? But the. Yeah, the, the, the dancing phenomenon is obviously it's changed, strictly comes dancing or whatever. The, the, I think the, the, the way this has changed, it strikes me, is that weddings used to be done <laughs> when I got married years ago. You had a formal wedding, sort of to please your parents. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, people don't do it for the parents. They do it for their friends. Yeah. It's, it's a social event involving lots of their friends. Very often come, as you did, Fraser, you went to Chile. I'll travel 30 years ago, nobody would have gone to Chile yeah. for a wedding. They would have said, sorry, I'll send you a present. You know, I can't come. Nowadays, 
That's what it's for. It's for their mates. And so, consequently, it gets, you get lots of elements in it that are kind of designed to impress people's mates. Which I think is always a good idea, actually. You know, your wedding's for you. Mm. You know, and your kids in years to come. I'm, well, not, sure, I'm not sure I'd want a YouTube wedding. <laughs> no, yes. That's the, yes, definitely the new, the new phenomenon. But anyway, back, back to this issue, that modern bands can't make proper albums. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to do with the bands. I think it's to do with our attention span. Yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, because we... We don't listen to albums. Well, not, except not when way. it occasionally... I sometimes find myself listening to something, and it happens very often, first thing in the morning. I work very early, first thing in the morning, at home, and particularly on summer mornings, put something on. And I suddenly realise, after a while, I'm really with this. I'm with this piece of music. You know, this, this moment has happened... It hasn't happened because I've tried to force myself to it. It's just occurred. And that's a beautiful, wonderful experience. Yeah. And probably won't be repeated. But it'll happen occasionally. Um, you know, so I think it's the attention span of the listener rather than necessarily the bands can't make proper albums. Because yeah. I think you find loads of cases recently. I mean, things like the Decembrist records are made every, you know, completely like... Pink Floyd albums, yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? They've got beginnings, middles and ends, you I know. Mean, people are, are being more ambitious, I think, with albums than ever. You know, you had that Joanna Newsom album recently, which was a trip. Oh, here we go. I've got the world's two biggest Joanna Newsom fans in the room, <laughs> haven't we? Yeah, over to you two. She is a genius. Oh, go on. All right, Judo, what do you I, Yeah, I agree. Would you get to at any event she is a genius? I agree. Um, I think that... Um, it's funny, this album, when I first heard it, I thought it was wonderful. It's one of those albums you've got to really get into. I don't like it... I'm not in love with it as much as the last record, but um, she has become a little less... Annoying. ...effective. <laughs> no, I think if you like her voice, then you're sold. If you don't like her voice, you'll never like her. No. Um, her voice is calmer this time. I actually interviewed her harp teacher on the phone recently, and that was quite entertaining, Diana Stork, who's the woman who taught her to play polyrhythms on the, on the harp, so playing four beats with one hand and three beats with the other hand. And she was the person who sat down and said, you know, you can do this and convinced her to do it. And you can hear this all the way through her records. And even if you don't like her songs and her singing, I challenge you to watch her playing the harp and not thinking that it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and to do that and sing at the same time. I think I mentioned this before on the podcast, but I went to see her at the, uh, the Barbican. A seat in the back row, awful seat, but it was still a spellbinding concert. And I spoke to a friend of mine afterwards who plays double bass in the orchestra that she was performing with. Mm. And they said, she, he said that the orchestra was absolutely in awe of her. Mm. what she was doing. Further things that we'll never do again struck me. I will never again wear a pair of trainers for anything other than sporting purposes. <laughs> Can't do it. See, uh, I'd look ridiculous. As someone who's never worn anything but trainers. I know, you see. Uh, there's, there's a real... There's a, there's a huge... Uh, clothing, sartorial age division in the office between people who wear T-shirts, who are generally younger, yeah. and people who wear shirts and sweaters, who are generally older, like me and Mark Ellen. Well, you remember when uh, I worked in the Word office with Rob Fitzpatrick, and when Rob turned at Halty, um, he came into the office and said, right, I am not wearing T-shirts. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And he started wearing shirts. And <laughs> I have seen him recently, um, you know, in public houses and places like that and in gigs. And he's wearing T-shirts again. Um, but I don't know if it was, you know, shirts for the office. Maybe now he's, oh, you know, really? maybe he's living the kind of 
roaming life, then he's quite back into the t-shirt. I just want someone to tell me if I'm too old to carry on wearing it. I'm afraid you kind of get away with it. You're a young-looking guy. When I had long hair, I had long hair for a very long time. I used to wander around and look at man my own age and think, you look like a right idiot with that hair. (laughs) And of course I looked exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) Further things I will never do again. Check a, well, no, I say, don't say I never do it again, but I rarely do it, and I used to do it in a big way. Check an answering machine at home. We've got one at home, and I only look at it like once every two mm. weeks, and there's loads of stacked up messages on it. Because your natural assumption now is if people want to get you, they'll yeah. get you. Yeah. Uh, I check my answering machine to see who's left a message for someone else who doesn't live there because I get a lot of wrong numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will never again stack up an auto-changer with a load of singles. Aww. Because if you got a load of singles and you had an auto-changer, it would be very bad for them, wouldn't it? You know, yeah. you used to stack up a load of 70 singles on an auto-changer. You wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. It's completely gone. And I will never again sit in a record company office to listen to a new record. Just won't do it. That's partly choice, isn't it? But it's just stupid. It's just absolutely... It always was stupid. Yeah. But it, it, it kind of was just about justifiable in the days when records were sort of really rare. See, I've only done this once, ever, and that was for Dizzy Rascal's last album. <laughs> I, was, I was intrigued. I, I wanted to write something about him because I think he's a really great pop star and a really interesting pop star because when he started out he was incredibly cool and came from the underground and won the Mercury Prize and then he became a pop star which is kind of the wrong way to go about it really he could have built his way up to being mainstream and a little bit kind of cartoonish as well yes exactly you know but I like him very much um, and his um, the, 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 the office was in this very odd place in um, Forest Hill in um, South London in an old garage which had been done up amazingly with you know red walls and various things and a uh, Dizzy's kind of gold lame jacket on the wall. He must be tiny because they look like little Kendo <laughs> jackets. And there was a framed letter from Prince Charles in the toilet, which I liked. Um, but I just wanted to see what this world was that uh, Dizzy Rascal operated in in this strangely suburban place in yeah, South yeah, London, yeah, really. Yeah, That's yeah, why I went. Yeah. Was, you know, I would have happily waited to hear the record. Uh, but, but normally, when, you, when they play your records in record company offices, they play them at deafening volume. Yeah. Because they think you'll be impressed by the sheer noise of them. You know? So you won't be able to have a conversation or anything while they're going on. But I, I will never do that no. again. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. David Heppert will never tweet again. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, Twitter is, is an extraordinary, bizarre thing. We, we, you don't tweet, do you, Fraser? Really? You've kind of given up. Yeah. Jude does, I do. Uh, it's an odd thing, isn't it, Jude? It is an odd thing. I've actually started making friends through it now, which is a bit worrying. Because somebody it's wanted strange. To, John, John Ellen wanted to know what bands or music-related people are worth following on oh, Twitter. Oh, that's a good question. Um, tell you who's really good is Tracy Thorne. I follow Tracy She's Thorne as brilliant. well. And very funny. G- give me your theory as to why Tracy Thorne's really good. I follow her as well. My theory. Yeah. Well, because everybody expects that Tracy Thorne will be, you know, down in the dumps and a bit grumpy. Um, but she's actually incredibly funny and sharp and doesn't, you know, hide from having a bit of a debate about something with people. I, I love it because um, she's not talking about a musical career. No. She's talking about, you know, kids and, yeah. you know, all the, all the sort of going to the school play or, yeah. or, or whatever. And it's all that, you know, people have a go at, at Twitter because they say, oh, who's interested in the domestic details of other people's lives? Mm. Well... Lots of people. Lots of people are, yeah. Oddly enough, more interested in that than the theor- their great theory about what they think about this or that. Mm. You know, it's the prosaic stuff that makes it work. You know, and I, I, I'm amazed at how gripping I find Tracy Thorns. Yeah. 
Twitter feed. Um, it talked about mums at the school gates and things yeah, like that. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Think, oh, yeah, Tracy Thorne, yeah, school gate. You know, that, that's, yeah. it's, it's, it's intriguing to follow these people's lives when they go through the normal, they've gone through the normal pop star phase and they're middle-aged and doing the things that people do in middle age. I don't follow a lot of pop stars no, as a no. rule, though, because a lot of people are just ridiculous. I do follow Slash from Guns N' Roses. Well, do you think he does it himself? He's quite... Well, I think so, because it's a bit kind of half-arsed and all over the place and all right. funny. It's and it's bad wrong. Bad, badly spelled, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, and that's how to tell it's but real. He, but he, but um, I've read a few things, pieces by him recently. He, he's a big supporter of um, gay marriage rights in America, and I read this really good piece about that. And uh, he is obviously an opinionated and interesting guy. Um, so I follow him, but... As a rule, I don't want to read about what somebody's been doing in the studio, really, because it's not very interesting. No, no, no. So, anyway, there's a Word magazine uh, Twitter feed, and uh, which you're more than welcome to join. Uh, and uh, I've just got the, six people have joined it in the last uh, few hours, actually. Who are they? <laughs> Who are? I'm glad you asked me that, Fraser, because I've gone written down. Nick Scanlon, Scanlon, Stephen Shaw, John Dugdale, Veronica Walsh, Sid from Belfast, and <laughs> Nobby.com. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to join the, you know, the, the heavenly host of people who follow the Word magazine on Twitter, what do you have to do? You just go to twitter.com slash Word magazine. The, the Word, word the magazine. Word magazine. Uh, and, and then you can, you, can, you can volunteer to follow. Got to plug, uh, few tickets left for the Word gig on April, what's it, April 23rd, is it, Fraser? God, I don't know. We'll, we'll post this under the, uh, you know, under the, under the post on the, on the Word website. Features... Uh, uh, Pugwash, Duncan Maitland, and the mighty Wootars. Yes. Uh, me and Mark Ellen are emceeing. <laughs> Kate Mossman is at the Wheels of Steel, playing her award-winning selection of jazz rock classics. <laughs> so if you want to hear the whole of John, uh, John Heisman's Coliseum Valentine Suite, uh, that, you know, make, a, make a point of being what there. And so, and so, you know, a, a few tickets uh, still, still available for that. Uh, anything anybody's learned this week? Anything anybody wants to get off the chest? Um, what have I learned this week? Oh, God, I... Don't know if I've learned anything this week, actually. Oh. I need a bit of preparation. What have I learned? Um, I, I learned a re- I, well, I I learned that Joan Jett is incredible. I interviewed her on the phone, and she was absolutely brilliant. She had this big rant, which I've got on taped onto my dictaphone, which I just want to play forever every morning. Which is about how um, when her and the Runaways started, lots of people were saying that she, she they couldn't play guitar. They weren't allowed to play guitar, and she she had this big rant about how I sit next to girls in school who play Bach and Beethoven on the violin. Don't tell me I can't play the guitar. And um, she was very sweet, actually, right. very sweet and very lovely. But uh, if you brought you know any little issue like that came up she would just kind of go if people say that to me then it's war right but um, and then she would just talk about you know going to the shops and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so Joan Jett is, is lovely okay. and I want to go and have a glass of wine with her that's Fraser awesome. you learnt anything in Chile um, you always come back with some nugget. <laughs> the, uh, the floor at Madrid Airport is not a nice place to sleep see Fraser's connection <laughs> in Madrid didn't work out too well did no. it so Compared to most air, air, airport terminal floors, which are immensely comfortable, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they this one's made out of cold marble. Oh, good God. Not oh comfortable. God. You wouldn't want that. Uh, and so... What uh, have you learned, Dave? Oh, God. Uh, what have I learned? Don't cut yourself while shaving. Uh, just prior to doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> nothing further to say. Over and out. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.